Praise God, Camp Meeting. God is a wonderful God, and He has allowed us to come together in this time when this world is coming to its conclusion to be able to energize, to be able to sit back or relax a few days in the country. Now, coming from Los Angeles, this is really country. <laughs> and to be able to enjoy the spiritual refreshing that comes from convocations such as this. And I just want to thank your president, uh, Elder Davis, and his team, his administrative team, uh, Elder Paul Lee and uh, Sister Ruth Stewart, those who have done everything to make sure we are as comfortable as we can, even though you couldn't change the time zones. But I believe that God has something for us, and the theme that has been chosen, I believe, Elder, it's a theme that is a right now theme. You see, making God known, it's the theme song. And I said, you all get that by Tuesday. <laughs> Making God known is the theme song. It's saying to you and it's saying to me that we have a responsibility of letting God be known. Not just in our household, but to go ye into all the world and to let men, women, boys, and girls know that not only God is real, and I just want to thank the Aeolians for singing a song that let us know how great our God is. I don't know if you understand it, that the God that we serve is the only God. The God that we serve is a God who runs everything. Everything that is in existence is because of him, but yet he is so personal that he is with every single one of us. He knows our sorrows. He knows our heartbreak. He knows where we are struggling with. He is there for us. He knows what it takes to save us. And he's doing what he can do. He is doing what he does as a savior, as a deliverer, as a friend, as God, to bring us one day with him. So at this time, as we begin this week, we ask that your prayers will be with us every night and throughout the day, that each and every speaker will be able to be here and bring something from the divine throne of God that will make us men, women, boys, and girls on fire for him in these closing days of Earth's history. Shall we pray? Loving Father, again, we are thankful for your goodness and mercy towards us. Without you, Lord, we are exercising foolishness. So even now, Lord Jesus, be in this place. Animate my mind with your spirit. Give me words of life for your people that we might be empowered, enlightened, and encouraged. And when it's all been said and done, Lord Jesus, let us know that it has been good to be here. But then let us go ye, as you have said, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Making God Known, translated the Divine Commission. If you will turn with me in your Bibles, and we will be using our Bibles here, and I have given the scriptures to those excellent gentlemen in the back, and ladies, I think, there's a lady, yes, to place them on the screen for you, that we might understand that what Jesus says, it's what counts. 
In the book of Mark, in the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 15, the divine commission is in its short version, making God known. It reads, and he said unto them, go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye into all the world, make known to all the world, let them know that I'm good. Let them know that I'm God. Let them know that I care. Let them know that I am available. Let them know that I can help them. Let them know that I gave my life for them. Let them know, go ye, to let them know that without me they can do nothing. It says in verse 16, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. In other words, we have to let them know so they can believe, so they can be saved. When I look at what Matthew took from that conversation from Jesus, and if you would turn with me to Matthew 28, and this is the one we usually use when we have the go ye sentence or thematic statement, it says in Matthew 28, and you know it, verses 19 and 20, and Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That's verse 18. And verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. When you hear what Mark says, Mark says to go ye. When you look at what Matthew says, Matthew says to go ye, but just don't go ye, go ye with something. You have to teach them something. We are not like any other church that is saying, and I'm not talking down to anyone, but we have a specific message for a specific time. The message that we have, that we are here as brothers and sisters in Christ during this camp meeting is a message that changes your life. It changes the way you eat. It changes the way you worship. It changes the way you return your tithes and offering. It is Bible-based. It is not like everyone else. It is not based on theories or rumors. It is not based on relationships with your parents in the form that you take on their religion without understanding what's in the Word of God. They have to be taught. They have to be understanding what God's will for us is and his will is different from our will. It is not based on tradition. It is based on scripture. It's not based on prejudice. It's based on truth. It's based on the very word of God and the word of God, it's about Jesus. The song says the theme of the Bible is Jesus and how he did what? how he came to save man, and we have to understand that when we go ye, we have to go ye with a message that is clear, that is pure, that is sal salvific. That brings salvation. 
to men, women, boys, and girls because, ladies and gentlemen, the message must be clear and precise for if it is not, it will not fulfill its duty to save men. The record says that those that hear it and believe are saved. Those that don't believe it shall be damned. So that means that when we take this message, when we speak about Jesus, when you live as a Christian, because folks, you have to understand this, we must all understand this, that it's not by what you say that makes the impact. It's how you live and what people see. I know some mean, honorary Christians, none of them in England, that run folks out of the church that turn people away from Jesus, who cause folks to say they would never become a Christian. But we have to make sure, ladies and gentlemen, that when we go ye, we go with Jesus. The record says that we must teach them and then baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then he says, and lo, I am with you always, even until the what? End of the world. I was making sure you're still awake. Now Luke says the commission a little deeper. If you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, and begin to see how Luke sees these words of inspiration by Christ. It says in verse 45, then he opened this, their understanding. We're talking about Jesus. And he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Again, the good news, the gospel, it's based on the scriptures. It's based on the word. Jesus is the word. It says, and thus it is written, and thus did behoove Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until he do thee with power from on high. Now, now let's look at that. Jesus said he got their attention. He gave them the power of understanding. He told them that they must go forward with a message to teach them about repentance and remission of sin. In other words, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we who believe that salvation is ours as we bring our lives into compliance with the will of God. I am thankful that we're not left to ourselves to bring ourselves into compliance with the will of God, but he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to be in compliance with him and to not only accept salvation, but to live salvation. He says here that when they receive the remission of sins and they are repentant, that means we have a 
sorry for sin, a sorrowness in our hearts for going against the will of God, for doing things wrong. We are now sorry for what we used to do. Folks, if you're not sorry about your past lives, you have not been converted. It says that after they received that type of spirit where they were sorry for their sins, they could go forward because they understood, and we have to understand, that we can do nothing without Jesus. Salvation, we can't receive it. We can't have peace of mind. We can't have a clear conscience unless we give those things over to the master. I look at these different go ye's, go to every creature, Teach and baptize. What do you teach? Teach them about the remission of sins. Teach them about repentance. Let them know, and this is the part I like, it says let them know about the promises that the Father has for us. When I turn to John 14, John 14, and I see these words, I begin to be excited because there's something waiting for me and something waiting for you. John 14, verse 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe also in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. That's a promise for you that you can write your name in it and say, This is mine. There's a home in glory it's there for me. Salvation is there for me. Forgiveness is there for me. A place in glory is there for me. My past has been blotted out. My future has been paved by the Holy Ghost. He is even now working with me, translating me, making me what I ought to be, not in my own strength, but in his strength. You and I have to begin to embrace those things if we want to be able to see Jesus eye to eye and face to face. We can't just hope we will be saved. We can't just think he's going to come down and scoop everybody up. Everybody talking about heaven is not going. I know you might not like that and say, where did we get this preacher who said that? But I have to tell you the truth. Because if I don't tell you the truth, ladies and gentlemen, and I stand here and tell you lies, it's going to be back on me. The commission that was given to the disciples is also given to us. Today, as then, a crucified and risen Savior is to be uplifted before those who are without God and without hope in this world. That's from page 29 of the little book, Gospel Workers. Those individuals with no peace, no joy, no hope, no future, no sense of destiny, no sense of debt, excuse me, no, no sense of danger. We have our young people, we have older people who have no knowledge of what God requires. We have individuals going to Christless graves because they never heard the good news. We have people in our own families, church, people in our own families who grew up in the church and have gone away and they're doing their own thing and we who are men and women, boys and girls of God, we need to be living a life that we can make God known to them so they can say why are we different? Why are we being so maybe conservative in comparison to the world? It's because we have a destiny. We have our eyes set on heaven. 
We have in us a driving force that allows us to put these things of the world aside and to be able to be ready to meet the Lord when he comes. And if we don't get to that type of mindset, church, we are playing church. I'm not here to entertain you. I am here to encourage you and to encourage ourselves to be men, women, boys, and girls who are getting ready to meet Jesus face to face. When we look at that divine commission to go forth, when we look at our theme, making God known, we have to do what God has made us for. See, church, can I just be myself? And I got to be myself. We need to be more real with God. Uh, let me break this down. We are sometimes putting more energy into acting like Christians than being Christians. Okay? I mean, we spend all of these outward adornments and our modified behavior to make ourselves look more holy. Some of us are still dressed like 1844 trying to look holier. When we should have the light shining in us, out of us, than trying to put on the false makeup like Hollywood does to look like something they're not. In other words, if we would just be Christians instead of acting like Christians, then we could fulfill the destiny that God has for us and we would have the power that is needed to go ye. You see, first of all, when we talk about making God known, we have to know him ourselves. When we look in our Bibles, ladies and gentlemen, and you turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Jesus describes us to us because sometimes we forget who we are. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, he says, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who we are. Folks, you don't understand it, but you and I are the redeemed. Oh, you won't even say amen about that yourself. You and I are the saints of the living God. You and I are standing in the mix, ladies and gentlemen, in the midst between the living and the dead. You and I are God's last warning message to the world. Folks, you and I have to wake up and understand that we're not here just to church ourselves in church, but we have a whole world that is dying that needs Jesus. We should be different. Not to the point where we are ridiculous, but I'm talking about different from this sinful world, different from these, 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 these sins and lusts and passions that the world is embracing and is saying is normal. We are God's chosen people. We are the apple of his eye. You and I, ladies and gentlemen, are the ones who he has entrusted the last day message for the world, and we need to embrace that and understand it and start living it. 
I don't know about you, but I enjoy this camp meeting, but I'd rather be in heaven with Jesus drinking from the lemonade made from the tree of life. We'll never go home if we go at the pace we're in now. The church has to get on fire, and I'm not talking about burning it down. The record says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which not had obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, some of us are so caught up in what we think we are now, we forget where we came from. It says in times past, we were not a people. Folks, in times past, if Jesus would have come, we would have been lost. But his mercy saved us. And his grace covered us. And he gave us not one, two, three, four, five chances, but time after time after time, his hand covered us, his blood cleansed us, he took us back, he put us back, and now we have an obligation to let other people know about this same Jesus who is forgiving, who is kind, who is loving, who is there, who is waiting. I look at 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I see what Jesus has given us. He says he's given us this ministry. Ministry that is different from any other ministry, any other people. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Church, now I want you to answer me. How many of you are tired? Oh, nobody's tired, huh? How many of you have turned down offices in church and said, oh, I'm, I can't do it anymore, I'm tired. I can't do it anymore, Pastor, because nobody comes out to the meetings anyway. I plan my program and I put it all together and they have the nerve not to show up. And when they come, they sit up in the back and they don't participate. Oh, I'm tired of doing that. I've been trying. I've been doing this for so long, Pastor. I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Folks, you can't get tired because we're not in the kingdom yet. The record says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We have to become a people, ladies and gentlemen, that we are driven by the divine, blessed hope of seeing Jesus face to face. And if nobody else is working, you have to keep working. You have to keep your foot pressing the pedal, pressing the gas. You have to stay in there doing all that you can to bring the kingdom of God. We can't hold it up, but we, we can't hold it up, but we sure can speed it up. 
The record says, therefore we have this ministry, we faint not. It says, but we have renounced the hidden things of Des, the dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel, our good news, our go ye, if it be hid, it's to hid, it is hid to them that are lost. When we are ineffective, when we are not witnessing when we have our church as our little closed community. And you know, it's sometimes in church there's some people we say, well, we don't want them in this church. We can send them down the street. We can send them somewhere else. Oh, oh we, we, we don't really want them here. Oh, give them some food, give them some money. Let them take a stink self on. Homeless, not here. That's an offense to God. It says the individuals who don't know, they are not only lost, but they are blinded by the God of this world. It's talking about Satan. And folks, I don't want to aid Satan in anything. If there's one thing I can do to help him, I'd like to put more coals of fire on his head by preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. The record says here, it is, it is hid to them that are lost and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, now watch this tie-in, for we preach not ourselves, but Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus Christ. In other words, we go ye with the good news about Jesus. We teach them, we baptize them about repentance and remission. We tell them of the promises of God. You see, folks, when people understand who God is, that God is real, that he cares, that he's available, that he is forgiving, that he is long-suffering, that he is compassionate, when they understand the true story that he died for us, and you tell them he died for the person, he died for you, it's personal. It doesn't just say the church will be saved. We're not talking about pill buildings. We're not talking about roles where people are on the church roll. It's talking about individuals who have relationships with him, who have believed in him, who have trusted him, who have prayed to him, who have gone forth in his name. Those are the individuals who are faithful in going ye, making him known, not only making him known to those who don't know, but are building a relationship with God themselves. Church, what I'm saying to us, and I'm trying to get us to grasp this as we go throughout this week, you and I have to have a personal relationship with Jesus, a personal revival, a flowing, you praying, him answering, a two-way street, him dwelling in you, and you having the very mind of Christ and the very atmosphere of Christ in your mind. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. What does that mean? When you pray, it brings you into the very atmosphere of God. When you're in the very atmosphere of God, that means that you are placed in the same arena, the same mindset, the same atmosphere 
atmosphere where God is. If you are praying in the atmosphere of God where he is throughout your day, nothing the devil does to you can bother you because you are in the atmosphere, the very arena of God. It gives you the edge. But we have to let people understand that it's not hard, it's simple. He says to go do it. Now, now folks, when God says go do it, he's not going to tell us to do something we can't do. He will empower us to do it. But some of us just have a hope. But you have to have more than a hope. You have to have faith. And your faith has to become precise. When we look at our scripture reading for today, go with me to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and let's look at this so we can understand what I'm saying. In verse 24 of Romans 8, it says, for we are saved by hope, hope in God, trust in God, faith in God. We are saved by hope, but hope that is not seen is not hope. In other words, if you don't have a relationship with him, you can say, oh yes, I believe in God. He is, he's there. But if he hasn't touched you and you haven't touched him and that relationship is not real, you don't really believe it. You might sing in the choir, you might preach in the pulpit, you might say your prayers that people want to hear because you're so eloquent, you can recite your poetry so nicely. But it's not doing anything for your soul, for your body, for your mind, for your relationship, for your spiritual growth. Because you see, God wants us to be more spiritual than religious. The Pharisees and Sadducees were religious. The disciples were spiritual. Well, finally, they got there. And don't laugh at them because we're trying to get there too, amen? The record says here, but we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which is seen not, then we do with patience wait for it. So our hope in God, we know that he's there. It must be narrowed down to a faith that can not only hope in God, but grasp the promises that he has given us. When I look at that first verse of chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. You're hoping for it. But it has to be more than hope. You have to go get it and hold on to it. Sister White says that the Christian sees themselves in possession of the things that have been promised to them. In other words, we have this hope. We sing that song, don't we? We have this hope. There's a home in glory land that outsides the shuns, and we can go through all of those songs. But unless the Christian, the man, woman, boy, girl, who has been born again, who has been changed by the power of the Holy Ghost, he not only has that hope to sing about it, that Christian can say, I have a home in glory land that has my name on it. I have a crown that Jesus is going to place on my head. When I see Revelation chapter 15 verse 2 and I see the overcomers there, I see myself there. And don't get caught up with being the 144,000. John said he saw a multitude that no man could number. You just have to see yourself in it. 
You have to see yourself praising God. You have to see yourself coming up from the grave or being translated in the twinkling of an eye because you've lived the life up to all the knowledge you had, leaning on the everlasting arms, trusting in his promises, talking to him, working for him, confessing your sins, for he is faithful and just to cleanse you of your sins and to make you what he wants you to be. You can do it, but you have to move forward with your thinking and your faith. It has to be precise. I look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, talking about the expansion of faith. Romans chapter 10, and you know it, these aren't new texts to you. It says in verse 30, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're hoping on it. You're believing it. And then how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel of Isaiah. They, the Lord has said, who has believed our report, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Again, you must go forward with the word, because you're going forward with Jesus, because he is the word. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Folks, before you can tell somebody how great your God is, you have to know it. You have to have had a relationship with him. You must know that he is the great I am. You must know that he is a counselor. You must know that he's the bright and morning star. You can sing it all you want, but unless you know it, it's just empty words. They can see it when you have the message in your heart. It will radiate out of you. When you tell the people he is all powerful, you can only say that emphatically, emphatically, un unless... You have seen him do impossible things for you. If you don't have the experience, you don't have the witness. I look at this text and it says, without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And when I compare that, it says, and how can they have faith unless they have the word of God? I look at Romans 15 verse 4, it says, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. It's going to tie together. The cycle is, you have belief in God. You study his word. The word gives you more hope and it gives you more faith. The more faith and more hope you have, it energizes you because something's happening to you. You are being transformed by the renewing of your mind because by beholding, you become changed. The more we read the word of God, we are seeing Jesus because he is the word. 
as we read him and we see him and we understand how he is, our minds are opened up so that mind of God that was in Christ can be in you according to Philippians 2 verse 5 where he says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. The very mind of God can be in our minds. It gives us the power to understand spiritual things. We can't understand spiritual things unless the Holy Ghost gives us the power to do it. And then as we understand it, we will have a sense of urgency, not only ladies and gentlemen, to be transformed yourself, but to tell somebody else about the good news of a Savior who's waiting to come back. It's something that is so simple, but we make it so hard. Now, if you turn with me to the book of John, what book did I say? John chapter 4, I want to show you this in action. In John chapter 4, John chapter 4, we have a situation here. And you know what, folks, when I look at this, I, I laugh so hard sometimes. Because can you imagine if Jesus just popped up to you one day and you didn't know it was Jesus and he started talking to you? And, you know, most of us, there's something wrong somewhere. Awfully quiet. Oh, I forgot I'm in England. Everybody's a saint. Okay, I forgot. They're even night folks over here. Okay, I understand. But just say it, there's some things wrong with you, some things in your life. But you have this hope, but you know there's some things, if the Lord came right now, you're not ready. And then Jesus starts talking to you. And he asks you for a drink of water, but, but, but you're from a different race. You, you guys don't even talk to one another. Prejudice. But you're talking about going to heaven. See, that's why everybody talking about heaven is not going. That prejudice and stuff has to go. Jesus gave that commission. He says, go to all creatures, go to all nations, kindred, tongue, people. Everybody has to hear the good news. And Jesus is there talking to her, and, and then he breaks it down to her. Then, when she gets excited about it, Jesus says, where's your husband? Lord have mercy. Can you imagine? I wish there was a video, a DVD of her face, a close-up zoom to her face, when he said, where's your husband? But you know what, folks? In the very presence of God, there's only one thing you can do, and that's tell the truth, because he already knows. Somebody ought to say amen. She says, well, uh, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, okay, okay. You see how we try to play Jesus? That's okay, young lady. That's okay. You had five husbands, and the one you with, you told the truth, and the one you with, he's not your husband. You know, you, you basically, if it was on paper, you told the truth. You made it look like everything was all right. You, you omitted some stuff, but I'm not here to judge you. You see, ladies and gentlemen, she had five men before, and then the sixth one she was with now, but things didn't get straight till she got to the seventh man, that perfect number, Jesus Christ the righteous, set her life straight. Come on now. So he's listening to her, he's listening to her, and he talks to her, and he lets her know that there'll come a day, there'll come a time, because she was spiritual, she, she had a desire for spiritual things. She said that when the day comes, the Messiah will tell you all things, and he told her, I am that Messiah. He says, those that worship God will one day worship him in spirit and in truth. That means by your attitude and by truth based on the word of God. And it says this lady was elated 
with her face to face with Christ when she met him for herself. And it says in verse 28, and the woman then left her water pot and she went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man which told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Folks, when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will be motivated out of love for what he has done for you to make God known to other people. When you can get up and say, I was in that hospital bed and the doctor said I only had three months to live, but we prayed about it and they anointed me and I'm still here 30 years later. You can tell somebody about it. When you know that God saved your house, when he bought back your children, when he bought your marriage back together, when your husband was a scoundrel, but the Holy Ghost got on him and now he's a deacon in a church, a true deacon. You can tell your story. Making God known, he is able to fix it. That's what he does. He's the savior. He's the deliverer. He is there for us personally. And that testimony, ladies and gentlemen, that testimony that we give from our lips, it's not from the preacher. It's not from the evangelist. It's not from the TV preacher. It's from you. That does more where people can see that the same thing that they are going through, they can be delivered from. She says, I gotta go. I gotta tell somebody. Now, folks, when we look at that, when we look at what happened to her, it's explained in our text. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, likewise, watch this, likewise, and most of us don't see it this way, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, we have been commissioned to take the go ye to make God known to the world. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we need the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ to transform us to be what he wants us to be. He tells us, ladies and gentlemen, to go ye, but he gives us the power to go. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he says, all power is mine. When we look at Acts 1 verse 8, he tells them to go into all the world and he says, I shall give you all power. Power to have a clean heart. Power to live a holy life. Power to understand spiritual things. And power to witness. You see, a lot of us are going, but we haven't equipped ourselves to go. You have to spend a little time with Jesus, as the song said. You have to tell him all about your problem. You have to ask him to fix you. You have to say, create in me a clean heart and with, put within me a right spirit. You have to make me over. You have to take away the things from me that are dragging me down. You have to break me from the things that I am shackled with. And Lord, when you do that, then will I teach transgressors their way and sinners shall be converted unto you. It's a process. 
That lady was sitting there after five husbands and now she's shacking up. In other words, she said, I'm not paying that preacher no more money to marry me. No, she didn't really say that. You're all too strict on me anyway. But she said, I'm not going to get married. I'm living with him. But when she felt Jesus' love, when she felt the burden in her heart, when she found peace, when she found relief, isn't that worth sharing with somebody? Isn't it worth letting somebody know that he's coming and he's coming soon? Isn't it worth letting that glorious joy that is in your heart that lets you sleep at night? Is somebody here sleeping right at night? Because you have peace with Jesus, the little kids say, with Jesus in the vessel, you can sleep through the storm. Thunder and lightning doesn't bother you. Things that are going on in the world, it doesn't bother you because you have a relationship with him. You know he's going to keep you. He has been keeping you, that he's coming for you. Even though cancer has racked your body, even though you have been reduced to half your size, even though you're in pain, you know that a day is coming that you will come up from that grave with a brand new glorious body just like his body. You will be brand new. You will be restored. You will live forever. So you hold on. It has to be personal, church. The witness has to be personal. And when we understand it and when we grasp it and when we know that he will send his Holy Spirit in us to make us what we need to be in him. And it says here, the Spirit helps our infirmities. Folks, whatever is going wrong in your life, Jesus knows. Whatever weakness you have, Jesus knows. And he's praying about it. And the Holy Spirit is praying about it. And they're talking to the Father about it. And the Father's saying, I'm giving you the power to make me known. And guess what? I'm making you part of the equation by allowing you to be a representative of me that men, women, boys, and girls will know that they can make it. Oh, my friends, tonight when I look at this commission that we have, it's not a hard commission. It's just turning it over to Jesus, giving him our lives. Those disciples, when they received that power, they came together with one accord. They prayed about it. They asked him to pour out the Holy Spirit, and it was poured out on them, the former rain. And ladies and gentlemen, we have the promise today as a people, as a church, when's the last time have we prayed for the Holy Spirit, for the latter rain? We pray for everything else. But do we corporately come together and pray for the latter rain? The power that will give us the unction and desire to give the loud cry. The power that will give us victory over sins that we have been struggling with all our lives. You see, the latter rain gives us the power to live a holy life in an unholy world. Tomorrow morning at six o'clock when prayer time is, all of us who are here who want to make God known should be together praying together that the Holy Ghost will drop down on us, empower us, encourage us, and give us what we need that when we leave this mountaintop, it'll be a blaze of glory for the King. That's why we're here. I love this place. It's nice, but it's not like glory. Glory is something special. 
jasper walls 216 feet high, golden streets, river of life, tree of life, mansion with my name on it, throne of the Father and the Son, and it says that we're going to walk all over God's heaven. Yes, make people know that he is real, that he cares, that he's available, and he is watching, waiting for us, his mighty arm, church. We're his mighty arm to let the world know that is coming. In closing tonight, I just want you to look at one more thing, to look at the witness of one lady who was looked down upon by the entire community when she opened her mouth and said, come see a man. It says in verse 39 of chapter 4 of John, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode with them two days. And many more believed because of his own words. And they said unto that woman, Now we believe not, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Her initial witness triggered in their heads, in their minds, in their lives, a need for the Savior. And if we live holy, pure, undefiled lives, where our message is not on our lips, but in the light that God lets glow through us and out of us, men, women, boys, and girls will see the witness and get ready to meet our Jesus in peace.